Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Mark Patel, President Jay. For the next two hours, I am the captain of this ship, and I will guide us through this crazy world of sports. It doesn't get any crazier. And then college football has lost their freaking mind. But the good thing about it is we got Masters. Yeah, Masters in the fall. We'll see what happens. And, man, that John Rahm, man, we're going to get into that conversation uh, throughout the show today about the Masters, man. John Rahm is the real deal. Is he the next Tiger Woods? I don't know. But, man, did you? I, we'll get into this conversation, but let's just say that he knows how to skip a ball over water and get into a hole-in-one. Also, Tony Donahue, uh, starting off things off, will be Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb, our college football extraordinaires. We're going to be talking about uh, our games of the week, getting our picks in. Even though we don't have a lot to do this week, we're going to get those in. And then coming up in the second hour, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast is going to be joining us and continuing the Masters conversation, recapping Chase Elliott's NASCAR win, and also uh, continue on with some college football talk as well. And then at the bottom of the hour, of the, next, the last quarter, if you will, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, Coming off of a bye week uh, and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, is going to help us break down uh, the NFL this week right here uh, and, and see how things pan out, what's going on, and, and how <laughs> everything gets going. And we've, I tell you what, the, at least the sun is shining. It's It's not overly cold this morning uh so you know hey we'll get through it i did have to scrape my my uh uh windows earlier this week but that's neither here nor there 917-889-8516 is our digits we'll be right back kick things up right here on the balance radio network right now i just need you to get real loose get comfortable Grab your loved ones, or grab your love partner, and if you're by yourself, no worries, just follow after me. Gonna do the two-step, then cowboy. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Unbelievable. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The MOVE Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache, challenge yourself to move, and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health. Masters today. I, I think the Big Ten's in a lot of trouble. 
Well, I, I, this this whole the whole world has lost uh, lost their mind, and we're going to get some pictures up of our No Shave November and some of the debauchery that uh, we is a preview of what's to come, and we're going to make a big announcement here uh, before the end of the hour. Scott Lamb, are you able to are you able to speak? Are you with us, sir? Yes, I'm I'm totally with you guys. How you doing this morning? <laughs> He's probably more alive than I am. <laughs> I tell you what. I was on the struggle bus uh, this morning. I know we both, <laughs> all three of us, uh, enjoyed adult beverages at separate locations, but we were able to do our kind of our own little Zoom party last night. I mean, I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. We'll get some uh, pictures up about our No Shave November and, 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 and see what's going on. But we've got a big announcement coming up here. Uh, we'll make that a little bit later on, and as we call it here in the biz, a tease. So uh, we we will uh, more about more debauchery to come. All right, guys, let's get right into this. We'll start with you, Rick Reagan. We're going to start with our games of the week. We're going to start with IU and Michigan State. You know, as as, as we talk about with President Trump, there's still a path. <laughs> there's still a path for IU. Uh, to uh, win the uh, Big Ten East, especially with the fallout of Ohio State. Uh, before we get into the breakdown of that game, Rick, why don't we talk about, uh, again, what is happening with – has um, college football totally lost their mind, or was the prophetic uh, teachings, if you will, or, or speaking of, of some college football superpowers – before the season started, were they right after all? Or maybe here's what's going on. A lot of people know, okay, well, we don't stand a chance to get into any type of championship or any type of postseason competitive play, so why do we have to remain disciplined? We have total chaos. Go ahead, Rick. Let's say you. Well, one team I, I would say is kind of weird is Missouri postponed or canceled their game because one player tested positive. Just just one player, and he's in isolation now, away from the team. But they still cancel or postpone their game. So that that one doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it was a, what is it, Scott? Fifteen games today canceled or postponed? I'm Scott, yeah. My count right now is my my count right now is fifteen, and six of them feature top twenty-five teams. Yeah, two of them are top four teams or top five teams. Which is crazy. Three. So you got Ohio State, three. Alabama, three. Ohio State, and oh, Alabama, Ohio State, and then who's the third one that all postponed? Wisconsin or some? Or not Wisconsin. Well, yeah, well, two teams out of the top five, though, is what I was saying. It's three top five teams. Well, who's fifth? Texas A&M. Yeah. Yep. There you go. All right. Good thing I was here to bell us out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> go ahead, Scott. Were you going to say something? No, go ahead, Rick, and then I'll piggyback. I know where you, I know where you're getting okay. ready to go. Good, because I have no idea well, where anybody's well, we, going. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's going. I'm waiting for my big, uh, my big breakthrough moment today. Once we get to the IU, uh, the, the, uh, the IU Michigan State game. Well, well that's what? where we're at. I'm waiting for you to do it. That's where we're starting at here. So let's start there because here's the way I see it. 
I think that if IU wins today, there's a very clear defined path for them to have some serious postseason play, if not win the Big Ten East, uh, Big Ten East for the first time in eons. Well, here's what I'll say. IU is locked in. This is a classic letdown game. A lot of people are picking Michigan State to win this game, right? But I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, IU is locked in. They're going to win today. And if IU really wants to be locked in, they will take their COVID-19 break like everybody else in the country has been doing. They'll take their COVID-19 break next week. And against Ohio State. Against Ohio State. Ohio State. And they come back the week after and win the rest of the way out, go undefeated this year. So IU be undefeated. Ohio State would be at their six-game limit now because the Big Ten says you have to play six games to be in the uh, Big Ten championship game. So if IU is really locked in and they care about their season this year, they will take their uh, COVID-19 vacation next week after they beat Michigan State today. Rick, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here. It sounds like you're, you're saying some sort of conspiracy here that that uh, teams are creating and don't weekend off. I I think it's possible. I I mean, it, it'd be too easy to do. Just think about it. You know, what's our tough game? Oh, okay. Well, we'll have COVID COVID nineteen outbreak that week. So, you know, it's <laughs> it could be. Okay, we look at Ohio State. This was hardly a big game for them this week, and why would they why would they take their COVID break this weekend? So 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 let so let me jump in here, and I think that Ohio State, Ohio State and Maryland. So Maryland's a scary team with you know you got the Tiger Lavia brother over there in Maryland, and it, it's a scary team for Ohio State. A game they should win by twenty twenty five points and why would you go and play them if you're number three in the country and you have a green light all the way to the college football playoff why would you play that game if you don't have to play it and the same thing against IU next week but now Ohio State's in a predicament where they this game is canceled and then if if what Rick says you know if they go and cancel that game next week now Ohio State has missed two conference games and they might not get into that playoff yeah. game. if So why would you play that game if you don't have to? But now they are going to be on that bubble where if I don't get a conference championship, I'm not going to the college football playoff, whether I'm ranked three or not. The committee is not going to put me in. So why would you play it? And I would love it if, if IU canceled that game next week. And missing two games is, is the limit this year in the Big Ten. But I will say That's in Ohio cool. State's defense, it's Maryland with the breakout, and they had to cancel against Ohio State. So it's not Ohio State's fault, but you could be a team like Ohio State and do everything right as far as your COVID protocols go, and the, your opponent is the one that cancels, and it screws you. So I, I think well, some strategy can, can be played out here for IU. They win today. They could take their COVID break next week and come back the week after, and it puts IU, uh, Ohio State at that two-game limit that they can miss. Well, you know, I, I, I'm certainly a, a big conspiracy theorist. It doesn't uh, go beyond the realm of belief or understanding. I think it's a little much, though. To, to, maybe these schools are saying, hey, let, but, but the thing about it is there's so many 
there's so many things that you have to dot boxes you have to check off in the legal world to to uh, create a corona type situation you'd have to have medical staff willing to sign off and say hey uh, we have uh, covid infected people or covid exposed people and maybe i mean how can you prove that they don't or they do i mean i i understand how it could happen but well here's that, how i would get around that though uh, I would just find some people that we know are positive and just go rub up against them if I'm the IU football team, you know. <laughs> like the old chicken pot party. You got uh, Rick yeah. might be remember this, but when, when we were kids, we'd have chicken pots, and our parents would get all no, of us together. Chicken pot, yeah. <laughs> well, I got, you know, uh, here, 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 here's another thought real quick. So you got Cal and UCLA. They both had their games canceled, and uh, – separate games, and they figured out a way to get another game on the schedule. They're going to play each other on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, the, the Pac-12, they already have a limited schedule, and they had a couple games canceled. Cal was against Utah, I think, and then UCLA. Against so they decided they're going to play each other tomorrow. So they figured out a way around it so they could add a game in, and they're going to go play. I mean, just to, you know – barnstorm here just a little bit like what if alabama and ohio state decided hey you know we both had games canceled let's go play each other on sunday like like they that did. would and be amazing that would but, be but absolutely gonna, amazing but they're not going to do that but you know oh, no. kudos to cal and ucla for figuring out how to get a game back on the schedule we're just going to go play each other on a sunday you know with well, 15 games canceled teams could do that the Big Ten Conference is, is aren't allowing their teams to schedule their games because Nebraska tried to play uh, Chattanooga or somebody like that yeah. a couple weeks ago, with, and the Big Big Ten didn't allow it. So uh, you know it's it's the Big Ten. There, I mean they they've ruined their season, and they're still trying to pretend that they didn't cancel half of their season this year so they can still get into the playoff. I don't think you know Big Ten teams should be eligible. Even Ohio State wins out like they should, I still think it shouldn't be eligible. You know well, what the committee did say. Yesterday, that they're going to one of the big factors is how many games they do complete when they decide who these playoff teams are going to be. You know, you know, Rick. You know what? One thing Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Indiana have in common are they, they are all beat Michigan. The conference. They didn't have to go join and pay another conference just to be able to play during the COVID time. Just saying. <laughs> I think you got it wrong though, because I don't think the ACC was struggling. The ACC wasn't playing until Notre Dame stepped in. <laughs> I still, I, I still think that Notre Dame is just like any other football team. You know, although they're successful, although they're historic, and then believe me, I love going up there. I went up there last year. I love it. Don't get me wrong; they got a lot of good uh, points in their favor. But at the end of the day, they are just a college, and they are just a football team. They are not any better than any other college football team as far as conferences go and the way playoffs are, are figured out. And, and, and a lot of things I think Notre Dame decided, hey, they could have picked whatever conference they were going to go to because they were trying to find a path to a national championship. And they felt – Well, they, they already have – and they already had one foot in the door at the ACC anyway, so that was just the easiest to – I mean, they already played six games a year with the ACC anyway. Yeah. So, guys, let's get on to our predictions for the day. Let's start. What do we have here? I mean, 
Uh, just over a year ago, Indiana traveled to East Lansing, Michigan, as a 14-point underdog. What a difference a year makes! The point spread has reversed by more than 20, by more than a 21-point margin, and the top 10 Hoosiers find themselves in a strange place. Uh, could a game, could a game in East Lansing be labeled a trap game, even though it is the old brass tune, if you will? Michigan State leads the series 48-16 with, a, with two ties. Uh, Michigan State won last year 31. Uh, and I think that this word today, Indiana is favored by seven and a half points. It's a 40-degree uh, start uh, thing. So we'll kick it off with you, uh, uh, Scott. What say you on this game? Who, who wins? Who doesn't? Do, do they cover? Do they not cover? Go ahead. So – it's, it is seven and a half, and it is in East Lansing again. But I really like Penix Jr. and what he's been doing, what he's been doing for IU, and I like IU to go in there and cover this game. Rick Reagan. Yeah, so uh, IU's going to win this game. Tom Allen's got his team locked in. Uh, like I said, uh, like ten minutes ago when we first started on the uh, IU and conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> conversation here, but uh, yeah, IU's locked in. Uh, they're going to win by a couple scores. Uh, it's hard to figure out, though, uh, what Michigan State is. The Mel Tucker's come in for Colorado, and I, it, it's hard to figure out what Michigan State is at this point. And, you know, they they won a close game against Michigan, but really they dominated they dominated Michigan that game. But who hasn't been dominating Michigan? So it, it, it it's hard to figure out uh, who Michigan State is at this point. It is the classic trap game, but I think IU gets it done by a couple of scores. Yeah, I'm going with IU, too, as well. Obviously, I'm a big IU guy, but I also just agree with everything that you guys both have said. They did a great, great thing. You know, one of the things we look at is these coaches who have great seasons, and then the the next season they're off to the NFL or off to another school. Uh, what do you think about Tom Allen, guys, about if, if he ends the season on the track that he's – uh, projecting for now, will he be here next year? I think he'll be at IU for another season. But if he has another season like, like, you know, like, like they're having this year, uh, you might find him taking a step up in the college football world. I wouldn't say NFL. I think the next thing to do is take over a bigger program, maybe in the SEC, ACC. I mean, uh, if, uh, if if Notre Dame wasn't like you know winning ten games a year, I'd like to have him at Notre Dame. You know he he'd probably end up at a school like that uh, after next season. Uh, whoever needs one, you know the SEC is usually firing a coach. Uh, look at Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee that they're not happy there with him. Uh, I could see Tom Allen at a, at a school like Tennessee, South Carolina, maybe uh, after next season. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it's possible that he moves, but this is an Indiana guy. I mean, he he was oh, yeah. a he was the Ben Davis he was the Ben Davis high school coach for years when they were dominating. Uh, he went to Wabash College as, in 2007. Uh, this guy is an he's an Indiana guy, and I think he wants to stay at IU and make a program and make something happen there. I mean, it's a good point, but I I think if you're a coach at that level, you always want to like be the best that you can be. You always want to take. You always want to coach at the highest level. So if he gets a job at offer at a higher level, I think you got to take it because you want to be, you know, the higher level coach. You always try to be 
you, you, you know, that coach's mindset. And, and he's got some actually, he's got some SEC roots. He was out. He was the linebackers and special teams coach at Ole Miss. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator down in South Florida. But I think he's a he's an IU guy. He's an Indiana guy, and the best program in Indiana, other than Notre Dame, is going to be IU. All right, guys, let, let's move on to our next game, and that's uh, um, Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin on the road at Michigan. Uh, let's talk about this game. Uh, I mean, do the Wolverines look to avoid a three-game losing streak with the Badgers? Uh, arriving in Ann Arbor on Saturday. We'll start with you, Rick Riggin. Give us a preview on what your thoughts are on Wisconsin at Michigan. Well, this is a, a tricky game to pick because Wisconsin's had three weeks off now. Uh, so have they prepared for Michigan this whole time? Probably, but how great are they going to look uh, now being off for, for three straight weeks? And then Michigan is just awful anyway. So uh, I think Wisconsin here is minus six. Six-point favorite, so uh, uh, I think Wisconsin gets the win. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be a great game to watch, but uh, I think it's going to be some ugly football played by both teams because Michigan's horrible and Wisconsin's been off for all this time. But uh, I'm, I'm taking Wisconsin in a close game. I think it'll be a very close game. I absolutely do. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, for sure, and I didn't see what the spread was, but Scott, what are your thoughts? What are your final analysis on uh, Wisconsin and Michigan? Yeah, uh, you know, with like Rick said, Wisconsin's been off the last couple of weeks. They are six-point favorites going into Ann Arbor. Um, I So what does Wisconsin look like after that two-week break? Because they haven't been able to practice very much. Uh, but Michigan's defense has been horrendous. I mean, they, they – it was a squeaker against Michigan State, who Michigan State's not a good team, and they lost by 17 to IU, uh, and then they got barnstormed in their first game against Minnesota by 25 points. Uh, but that Michigan defense giving up 411 yards a game. If they, Michigan goes to one and three after starting off as a top 15 team, uh, is it time for Harbaugh to go or not? I think Wisconsin goes in. I think they cover. I think they come in, and Mertz still has a – a solid start to his season is it's unfortunate that they missed two games. Uh, but I like Wisconsin to go in there and cover the spread of six points. Yeah. It, again, again, I, go ahead. Rick. Okay. I didn't catch exactly what you said, but I'm going to go with whatever you said. <laughs> All right, guys. So here's the thing. Graham Bird. <laughs> What? Graham Mertz. Yes, buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> we must have a delay because when I, it's like you react. <laughs> That's all right. I think Nobody there's gets. always been a some sort of delay on the show. Honestly, it's like not even being a funnier joke. I I do feel like since I've been on the show since like 2013, 2014, whatever it was, that there's always been some sort of delay because when I try to come in, a lot of times I cut you off. I don't even mean to do it, but I think it's oh, because. Yeah. There's some sort of delay. Well, we have a we have an auto delay because we're a radio show and we're live on a national thing. So there is that natural built-in delay. What happens, without getting too technical, I, I broadcast from the Balance Studio here, higher top, the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, and it goes out to New York City. And then it bounces out to you guys, and then – Whatever you guys say, it bounces to New York City and back to me. And sometimes 
that does not go as fast as we would like for it to go. Those are all uh, those are all things that need to be worked out. Which, at the end of the day, it's just another expense that you know it is what it is. But anyway, well, Grant, not, 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 not to spoiler alert, but I think we're going to have this thing fixed here in about three weeks. Right. We know the way there. <laughs> we need to start a whole new a whole new podcast, conspiracy podcast. Uh but anyway, Grant Mert, as we've talked about, is the key to this game. I mean it's just plain and simple. Michigan secondary has been dreadful to the start of the year, but Wisconsin backups aren't good. Not good enough to take advantage of this of this group and and this isn't a Badger offense that you can just simply lean on as a workhorse. I, I worry about Wisconsin. Wisconsin's players and and are, I think some of them are even at concussion protocol right now. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty that follows me along with Wisconsin. I do agree that it's going to be a close game. I am going to go the opposite direction. I think Michigan wins this game 27-24. Michigan, and I, I could, hey, you know, it, it, this is one of these games that we could go either way, but I just think that there's just not enough certainty there to for me to say that Wisconsin wins on the road against Michigan. Go ahead, Rick. You know, and, and you wait for their quarterback, Joe Hilton, to break out <clears throat> because uh, is he freshman or sophomore? And uh, man, if you guys remember Jamarcus Russell from LSU. Huge. Well, this uh, Joe Hilton's a, a bigger quarterback. He's like six 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 seven two seventy as a quarterback for Michigan. I mean, he, he's he's the size of the lineman. He's their quarterback. So if they could design some stuff for him to to run with the football, I don't know how great of a runner he is, but if they could have some design runs for him, uh, really shake things up and, and just use his size as a weapon. Also, Michigan's going to be. Uh, they're going to call, it would cause a lot of fits, but uh, they use him as a pocket passer. And, you know, it, it's horrible as offense. Uh, but you just wait for him to have a breakout game. I don't know how great or good of a quarterback he really is, but he won the starting job at Michigan. He's only a freshman, I believe. And uh, so he's got to be good enough, you know, under Harbaugh. But if they could just design the offense around him and use his size at quarterback, because he's a beast. So here, here's a, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to continue our conversation. We're also going to sprinkle a little uh, Masters talk. I know, uh, Scott, you're a, you're a golf guy. I'm a guy, golf guy. Scott's, uh, I mean, Scott, Rick is the uh, golf cart driver, which is completely fine because we all need one of those. But uh, the great thing about it is even though uh, college football is, is falling off the rails, Masters have, uh, in golf has figured out a way to make it happen. So we get back, we'll sprinkle a little bit of Masters in and continue on with our picks of the week right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more than 80 years, the Masters Tournament has been a rite of spring. The azaleas and dogwoods waking the golfing world from its winter slumber. And although this November will pass without patrons, with roars replaced by reflection, like for the rest of the world, there is hope that in time the things we cherish most will feel familiar to us again. And our annual tradition unlike any other for one year of will be a fall classic. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. Man, free to kill gophers at will. To kill, you must know your enemy. In this case, my enemy is a varmint. And a varmint will never quit, ever. They like the Viet Cong. Varmint Cong. So what you gotta do, you gotta fall back. That's superior firepower. And superior intelligence. And that's how she wrote. I'm at a party I don't wanna be at And I don't ever wear a suit and tie yet. Wondering if I can sneak up the back Nobody's even looking me in my eye Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better All right, welcome back to Balance. Uh, 
time to get uh, talking about uh, some uh, masters. Uh, I, I want to test because Rick Riggins is pretty good at this. Rick, do you know what that sound bite was from? I was going to go with the Bill Murray uh, Caddyshack angle too for my uh, master's approach today. You are absolutely right, sir. Give that guy a cookie right over there. <laughs> Scott Lamb, did you know that was from Caddyshack? Oh, yes. I, of course I knew it. I tell you what, that has got to be one of the best just like no-think movies. You just throw it on on a on a weekend afternoon or something that nothing's going on and you just watch it. It's just I got a, I got a question for you though. Sure. I believe that's the best golf movie made, all right? Caddyshack 2 is the worst golf movie made. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I agree with I, I agree with the first but I, you know also I don't know uh, Scott did you guys ever see the movie Tin Cup with Kevin Costner? Yeah, that's a good one too. Yep. And uh, Billy Madison, I mean, come on, Adam Sandler. Happy, happy, Gilmore. happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. What did I say, Billy Madison? That, that's, I'm getting yeah, off. It's easy. It, that's it's easy to mix up. You, you get a pass. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all kinds of great golf movies, but but here's the thing. And let's let's and Scott, I know that you're kind of a golf guy, so we'll lean on you. We'll just kind of we're going to get back to you. we haven't we haven't abandoned football. We're just sprinkling things in, and we're going to be in the next hour. We're going to be talking in more detail with Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast about the Masters. You know, last year we were talking about the Masters, Scott, in a much different uh, realm, and, and the world was in a different place. And Tiger Woods, I mean, comes back to win it. Who would have ever thought that we would have been talking about the Masters in November? But here we are. Scott, let's go ahead and start with you. Obviously, uh, this, uh, this ROM, the Spaniard ROM, is really the real deal. And I know it was just practice, but did you see him skip that ball over the water and <laughs> get a hole in one in that practice shot? It's been all over YouTube. If you haven't seen it, it'll be there. But what, yeah, what are your yeah, thoughts on yeah, ROM? I saw it. Definitely saw you know a magical shot, and, and and they do that on Tuesday, Wednesday, the practice rounds before the Masters. They'll practice skipping that ball uh, on on that hole, and every and every year or two, somebody's gonna make a hole in one. It was, I mean, it's it's impressive when they do it, and they get it to skip one, two times across that water, uh, just to be able to pull up a shot like that. And then if you get the hole in one, obviously that's pure luck. But uh, just to skip it and get it on that green, those those Augusta greens are are wild. It's crazy because every time I try to get it over the water, I get it in the water. Rick, Rick, we don't want to exclude you from the conversation. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Masters being played in November? And I guess one of the, the, the things that we – and I know it's played outside and, and there's a lot of social distancing going on in golf. Um, I, I don't think that there's fans allowed in, uh, in, at, at Augusta National Golf Course I don't think they're doing it that way. So there's a lot of reasons why golf might be succeeding and, and other sports aren't. But what are your thoughts, Rick, about uh, the Masters being played in November as opposed to April? Well, aesthetically, it looks about the same, right? I mean, uh, we get early spring, April, but November in Georgia, it, got, it looks the same. So it's probably the same type of weather. Same temperature outside. I mean, they had a lot of rain. I think the rest of the weekend is going to be uh, what, pretty great weather there. Uh, to me, so far, it, it's looked just like uh, you know April. You know when they normally play this. 
Scott, what are your thoughts about the Masters being played? Uh, so, yeah, temperature-wise, it's it's really the same. The only, you know, aesthetically thing that's going to be different is you're going to have leaves change colors on some of the trees. But uh, a lot of the big, tall pines, you're not going to notice a difference on those. Um, so, for me, to put some context here, if you could, you could give me uh, lifetime Super Bowl passes or one trip to Augusta for the Masters, I'm going to take Augusta all day long. That's just that. That's my how I feel really? about it. And wow. Yes, you would. I would. I would. One trip to Augusta is like bucket list item for me. I tell you what. Well, that's, I, cool, I, dude. that's a big statement. <laughs> so I, I had an I've had an opportunity on two things in, in what I what I consider once in a lifetime opportunities, and I, I really was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. I spent some time at Fort Gordon, Georgia, which is in Augusta, Georgia. You might be familiar with that, Scott. And and I was a I was an officer, but nonetheless, so in with Masters, just like any other uh, thing, like races or whatever, when they come to town, they have these off days where they have like charity uh, outings and different things. And so um, when I was there, they had a a charity outing. And the the PGA players were there, and again, just one of these off days, nothing too elaborate about it. But they invited um, uh, people from Fort Gordon to come play in this charity event. My commanding, officer, which was a major at the time, as daughter, uh, I don't wish bad on, on anything, but daughter had a car accident and broke her leg, and she couldn't play. I mean, she could she couldn't he couldn't play. I'm sorry. So he asked me, you want to fill in on this? Because this is already taken care of. So sure. So that, what an experience that was. And and then I had the opportunity that same year to be able to go to the Masters and, and just, you know, be a part of the fan experience. There's nothing like it. So I totally agree with you there, uh, uh, Scott. Absolutely. Uh, what's your, what's your uh, favorite hole there? I mean, just go to Amen's Corner. And from that approach on number 10 – to an 11 to that, you know, go over Hogan's Bridge on 12. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I could pick a favorite, but that's probably the best corner of the course that I would just love to go and be able to witness it in, per, in person. Oh, it is absolutely amazing. And I tell you what, I don't know how much they pay their their uh, groundskeepers, but they work year-round. And, I mean, it's just amazing. It's impeccable. Well, well, yeah, for the uh, for the tournament, they don't pay them anything. So they get all the PGA professionals from around the country come and volunteer to run the mowers, the bunkers, to come and just to experience what the technology they have at Augusta because there's no course in the country that's like it. And they just want to come and be able to witness it. And they volunteer for free to do it. That's a fun fact. I, I never knew that. That's for sure. I, I, and, and obviously, uh, Augusta is the only place where you're going to see the caddies in white uh, uh, painter suits, if you will. So, so uh, let's we, we let's let's get, go around and get our, our best Jim Nance uh, interpretation. Welcome, friends, as we come to the Masters 2020. You got piano music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. You got anything in? What I what I wanted to do real quickly though, Scott, and then we got to get on these other games of the week. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, let's just talk about Tiger Woods, where he was last year, where he was this. Year. He's accomplished everything in the world that a golfer can can accomplish. Uh, but as we go into the Masters this year, and we look at Tiger Woods, are looking at him completely different. In fact, 
would we be surprised? I mean, I know that it's it's easy to pick the, the leader of the leaderboard, but would we be surprised or shocked if uh, Rom won the Masters in 2020, Scott? So Rom is my favorite for the week. Uh, he was before we started, and it, not not even counting his hole in one that he had in his practice round, he was still going to be my favorite. He's number two in the world. Uh, I like Rom to win. Uh, but I would not be surprised if Tiger Tiger just he him and Augusta have a special relationship. He knows those greens. I mean, he's set up his practice uh, area in his backyard down in Florida to match Augusta greens, and that's the one tournament that he just gets up for. Doesn't matter how poor, poorly he plays for the entire year, he's going to perform at Augusta. And his first round when he shot a 68, that ties his best ever opening round. Uh, at Augusta, and it's only the second time he's ever broke 70 at Augusta in his opening round. So uh, Tiger's in contention. He's only four strokes back right now uh, going into round three. Uh, he's right there, but Ron's been my favorite for the entire week. Well, I'm going to go with Ron, too. And, and Rick, uh, what are your thoughts? Who do you think we got as uh, the, the winner of the Masters of 2020? Well, a tradition unlike any other is I watched Masters on Sunday when, uh, you know, Tiger's in the hunt, you know, I'm just a fair weather golf fan. I don't think it's all that interesting unless Tiger's in the hunt, but he's not even my favorite golfer. So, uh, it's as weird as that sound. I, my favorite golfer is DJ. He's only like three back. So I'm, you guys uh, taking Rom, I'm taking DJ to come in and finally get his, uh, first green jacket because, uh, if he, if, if he can, uh, he, he's great short game. He could drive, drive, drive the ball deep. I always thought, uh, Dustin Johnson's like problem was is he's not that great of a putter, but if he can get the putts going this weekend uh, against the ground of John Rahm, I think DJ wins. But I, like I said, I'm a fair weather golf guy, so I really only watch these big tournaments uh, when Tiger's in hunt, just like he is right now. Well, hey, you know, I'll, I'll have my Tiger red on Sunday because the Colts aren't playing. Uh, which, by the way, how about a great win about those coats on, on Thursday night? All right, guys, uh, let's get back into our games of the week. We're going to get, get kicked back off with Notre Dame and Boston College. We'll start with you, Rick Riggin. You're our Notre Dame aficionado. Let's talk Notre Dame and Boston College. A lot to talk about with this game. Well, uh, what Notre Dame needs to – well, first I'll start off with uh, Paul Hornig dying yesterday, which is, you know, that's one of Notre Dame's favorite yeah. sons. And, uh, you know, that, that's real bad. Uh, there's no way in hell now Notre Dame loses loses this game today because that would just be the ultimate disrespect if they did. So uh, you know, so uh, you know, rest in peace, Paul Horning. So uh, legendary, you know, Heisman winner. He's one of only eight players ever to win a Heisman and the NFL MVP. So, uh, but there's no way Notre Dame loses that game today. And another stat I was going to throw at you guys. I think I threw that Scott last night. Uh, the last time the number one team came into Notre Dame. 1993, Notre Dame beat Florida State. And the very next week, they played Boston College and lost. So now today, you know, last week Clemson comes in, number one, Notre Dame wins. Today they play Boston College. They cannot have a repeat of 1993. I know Brian Kelly is probably showing them that game uh, just to get the uh, motivation going. I think they're 13-point favorites. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. I think they win by four touchdowns. And another thing, Phil Dracovic is uh, Boston College's quarterback. He needs to be in books backup. That's why right. BC is called back. That's why BC is really called backup college. Everybody's backups that can't get on the field go play for Boston College. 
I think Notre Dame rolls because they can't have a letdown for last week. They're going to steamroll uh, back up college today. Scott, what are your thoughts? Boston College, Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, I, were, I really want to pick Notre Dame and have them roll, but Rick brought up 1993, and I feel like there's going to be some ghosts coming for for Notre Dame against Boston College. Yeah, I mean, that game last week against Clemson, I I felt like that that's game of the year. It was it was fun for the whole 60 minutes. Uh, and as much as I want to go and pick Notre Dame to win by four touchdowns, which they might do it, uh, I, I'm going to – have them get a letdown this week going into Boston College, and I'm going to take Boston College to win, and it's some kind of COVID karma that's happening with three of the top five teams not playing, and then one of the top five teams that is playing, they're going to go down this week. So you're picking Notre Dame or Boston College? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take Boston College to win. I'm not just Swinging on your nuts here, uh, Scott. I, I just totally agree with everything you say. In fact, a lot of that was in my notes. And you brought up, uh, you brought up, Scott, that former quarterback uh, uh, for uh, Notre Dame, Phil Juravac, is the Boston College uh, quarterback, and he did well. He did very well. He was only given a, a, an attempt to make 17 passes in his two seasons in South Bend. So we call him a backup quarterback. Okay, yeah, he's a backup quarterback in Notre Dame. That doesn't mean he's a good, not a good quarterback. And I and I think in this world that we're in, I tell you what, Boston College is coming in with a 13 and a half point favorite. I agree with a lot of things that Rick said on why Notre Dame will win. But against uh, North Carolina, Boston College was a two point conversion. Uh, was a two point conversion from trying, uh, from from tying the game in the final minute. Again, Clemson and and Boston College led the fourth quarter. Boston College will be in striking distance for a very potential upset. So for that, I'm going to ride ride along with Scott on this, and I think that Boston College wins and Notre Dame sees their first loss, and then they're going to start steaming their windows to see how they can get in the playoffs. Disrespectful. It's, it's going to be must-watch TV now today to, for this. I mean, this is the only game of the week that we're going to watch other than the Ohio Michigan State game. Right. <laughs> you know, Rick is probably dead dead on with a lot of uh, reasons why he thought that it would, would happen that way. So I'm, I'm not excluding it. I'm just saying I, I think that, that – Boston College is, is is a pretty strong team, and I think all of us can agree on on that. Guys, we got just a, a few more minutes. Um, so, are you there? Can y'all hear? Yeah, me? I'm here. Okay, yeah, you cut out pretty good, but yep. I don't I don't know what happened there. It was just like you guys were in my ears, and then, and then you weren't in my ears. So go ahead, we'll go around the table here. Uh, final words of wisdom. And coming up in the next hour, Tony Donahue and the Tony D podcast. Tony's so talking more about the Masters and more college football games that are postponed. I mean, what, what, what games can we actually talk about? We'll try to figure out uh, something there. But uh, we'll start with you, Scott. Final words of wisdom. Uh, you know, my my final words is, you know, we got 15 games canceled today or postponed, six of them with the top 25 teams. And I'm wondering, when are we going to stop living in fear of, of COVID? I mean, are we – at, 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 at the outset, you know, we it was a 
disease that's potentially fatal and, and, you know, we're thinking about that type of stuff, but is it that fatal or can we start attributing this more like flu-like disease? And I, I just, at some point we got to stop living in fear of it and we got to, you know, just not, not just sports, but for our lifestyle. And we got to just get back to living life, you know, is, is my words of wisdom with it. Totally agree. Rick Riggin, any final words of wisdom? We got a big announcement to make here in just a second, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I'll be quick. You know, I was fine with Notre Dame only winning by like three touchdowns today, but now I just hope they win by 50 just because you guys picked against them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That probably is the prophetic wisdom right there. So, all right, guys, without further ado. Big announcement on December the 5th, 2020. As long as we're not on, <laughs> as long as uh, none of us catch the coronavirus, we're going to be together live here in Indianapolis for a two hour show on nothing but college football and just all kinds of debauchery. Uh, we tried to get some pictures up. And it, I don't know, we were having some technical difficulties. We'll get them up later. Uh, but. Uh, we had a, a little Zoom debauchery going on last night. We did some shots on the Zoom. And so we're going to get together uh, on the weekend of December the 5th. Me, Scott, and Rick, and our significant others uh, will be together, and we will have dinner, and we will have drinks, and we will have all kinds of stories to talk about on the show. Hopefully we can all get up. It was I was on the struggle bus this morning. I, I, I must yeah. <laughs> I think we, we all. <laughs> I think we all uh, uh, are, are are on that bus. Uh, maybe all some of us are still drunk. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to be live on the on the air here in Indianapolis uh, with with Scott, Rick, and myself, and we are going to uh, do the show live. We're still figuring out all the logistics, but we are going to do that. So big big announcement here at the Balance. We right, need to guys. get some more breaking news stories just to play that soundbite over and over. We do. <laughs> this just the end. Corona cancels. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Time to wrap it up, put a, put a bowl on it. But before we do that, let's kind of uh, go around the horn here and, and just real quickly if we can – just look at some of the games that are being played, and even though we didn't pick them as our game of the weeks, uh, Scott, Illinois favored at six and a half over Rutgers. Uh, I'm going to go Rutgers on that one. Uh, Illinois, I just, you know, they they have not looked good. I'm I'm, I'm going Rutgers to cover. Rick, Virginia Tech, two and a half over Miami. No, I'm going Miami this game. Something's happened with the Virginia Tech these past few weeks. Uh, they're not the uh, same football team they were at the beginning of the year. They just can't score any points. I'm going Miami in this game. Scott, Penn State, uh, three over Nebraska. You know, I saw something last night on the ticker where Penn State is still 80-1 to to win the national championship. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how you do that <laughs> at 0-3, how you even have odds, and who wants to go lay on an 80-1 to in Vegas for Penn State. Uh, I'm going to take Nebraska over Penn State and they go home four. 
Rick, USC, 14 over Arizona. Yeah, I'm going to take USC in this one. Uh, 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 Clean the uh, Slovis, uh, kind of an assassin at quarterback. He's he's going to be the uh, next big thing. I don't know what the next big thing, but next big top five quarterback in the country here in college football over the next couple of years. So I'll take USC in this one. Scott, Arkansas, 17 and a half over Florida. Uh, I think you got that's got to be wrong. Our, Arkansas cannot be favored by 17 and a half over Florida. It's the other way, but uh, yeah. Florida <laughs> against Arkansas. You know, I may need to learn how to read these things. Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas plus 17 and a half over Florida. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds that yeah. sounds good. And I'm still going to take Florida there to cover that win by four touchdowns. Rick, Michigan. Plus four and a half over Wisconsin. I don't even know what, what I picked earlier when we was talking about this game, but I'm I'm going to take Wisconsin to win here. I think I think you and Scott both went with Wisconsin earlier. I know I went with Michigan okay. earlier. <laughs> All right, Scott, I don't even remember. <laughs> final one, two and a Northwestern, two and a half over Purdue. I'm going to go Purdue. Oh, I thought Rick. I thought Rick. I thought you were getting ready to. <laughs> I thought you were getting ready to. Hell no. No, no, no uh, interjection. <laughs> no injections. Interjection, no injection. Whatever the word is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll go. We'll, we'll let you go, and and we'll have a good uh, Masters weekend, and we'll and we'll uh, see how things pan out on the other side. Rick, where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? On the Twitter, at Riggin underscore Rick. Scott, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? <laughs> I don't really have any, but, yeah, I'm on the Twitter, too, Infantry Blue 1978. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you guys soon. Have a good weekend. Have, have a good, good one. one. See ya. All right. See ya. Rick Riggin, Scott Lamb, our college football extraordinaire. It's looking forward to uh, December the 5th. Uh, when we're all going to get together and, and have a great time uh, to uh, to enjoy some debauchery and uh, and see what happens from there. My name's, <laughs> my name's uh, Tom Marquez El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The Move Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache. Challenge yourself to move and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health. For more than 80 years, the Masters Tournament has been a rite of spring. The azaleas and dogwoods waking the golfing world from its winter slumber. And although this November will pass without patrons, with roars replaced by reflection, like for the rest of the world, there is hope that in time the things we cherish most will feel familiar to us again. And our annual tradition unlike any other for one year of will be a fall classic.
Struggle bus today. Let me tell you what. Thanks to uh, Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb uh, for joining us as we made our big announcement as well. They're going to be up here in Indianapolis on December the 5th. We'll be doing the, the show live for two hours um, together in, in one location. We're still working out the logistics. And last night we had a little uh, virtual uh, uh, virtual debauchery hour, if you will. We, we, we've got some of that to get on social media later. Uh, I, I guess we, we, we didn't do everything exactly the way that it was supposed to, but we had a great time. We did a, a virtual Zoom, if you will, and, uh, with myself, Rick, Melissa, uh, and uh, uh, Scott, and uh, significant others. And we had some drinks, and we had some shots and moonshine. And we realized that, hey, we're getting too old for this sort of stuff to get up and do this show in the morning, but helping me through things, <laughs> Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest and Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast. And Steve, I know I promised you just for a few minutes as we talk a NASCAR recap, and uh, and then Tony and I are going to talk some Masters and, and uh, college football. And Tony, I do apologize. I told you the wrong time. I, I'm going to follow on the sword on that. I, I, I hope that you understand that sometimes I, my brain just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Tony, how are you, sir? Yeah, fine. No worries. Doing all right. <laughs> Steve, how are you, sir? Um, I'm doing fairly well. How about yourself? I'm struggling. Do not do virtual uh, party time. Virtual virtual times at the bar, although we were all at our houses. I don't know how we came up with this airplane idea, Steve, but we had some of Tim's moonshine. I'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, you know, as we always say, don't eat the fruit. That's right. That's right. Don't eat the fruit. I. I yeah, Melissa's a, an apple pie uh, moonshine person, not me. But uh, Tony, do you like moonshine? Uh, yeah, I mean, I might have, I've had it a few times. I'm, I'm not going to sit around and drink it all night. <laughs> not a good idea. I can I can warn you of that. All right, guys, let's let's recap last week's big win, national championship of Chase Elliott. As we, and Steve and Tony both, as you know, we talked a long time ago that Chase Elliott was due to win a championship. We'll start with you, Steve. What a great win that was. Uh, even though it was in Phoenix and not Homestead, what a great win that was uh, for Chase Elliott to win the, the national championship for 2020 in NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it was a – Go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve, go ahead. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a. I mean, all. I think you. I think you look at it, and it's a pretty popular win for everybody, uh, all around the sport. Uh, Chase has kind of taken over that mantle from uh, Dale Jr. And then you know, also you know, his father Bill Elliott is the most popular driver in the sport. So you know, there there's a lot of people that has followed. Chase's career all the way up, and uh, you know he he won the Xfinity Series championship. 
and then now he's a Cup Series champion, um, just a couple of years apart. And you know, you you just you just look at that meteoric rise uh, of Chase Elliott, and he's uh, the third youngest now to to win the Cup Series championship, and uh, he's done it in fairly short order since coming into the into NASCAR, and you know, it, it's just been a very popular popular. Um, you know, thing for for Chase to to win that championship, and you know, I uh, you know, I'm not not to you know put a bullet point on this thing, but I think you have to go back and look at uh you know Martinsville and uh you know the 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 you know potential of you know him not even making it to Phoenix or even getting a chance to uh be, become the champion in 2020 with with the potential uh you know over the wall issue that they had at Martinsville and the crew member was uh smart enough and on the ball enough to to get back on the wall and uh not draw that penalty and um yeah i th- i i think some people that look, you know look at that and I, you know we we've kind of discussed that a little bit in detail as to you know that whole penalty and chase getting to Phoenix the way in the manner that he did, but you know, nonetheless, um, you know, Chase was the class of the field. Um, you know, some of the people that we would normally see out of Phoenix um, ex- just excel, like Kevin Harvick, who has done well there, Danny Hamlin, who has done well there. Um, both of them seem to struggle all day long, and I know Harvick wasn't in the championship, but still, uh, you know, he's somebody that you know we we traditionally see at Phoenix has done very very well there and um you know just a couple of years ago when when Harvick needed to get into the championship he went to Phoenix and and won there and you know kind of you know that you know ninth inning uh you know homer to you know tie the game up and send it into overtime and he he was able to get it to to Homestead but you know still you know just some of the people that you know we would would see at Phoenix um be good just you know, they seem to struggle all day long, and we saw that out of Hamlin. We saw that out of Harvick. Um, Keselowski at some points were able to challenge Ace Elliott, but it just seemed that, you know, at the end, uh, it just wasn't enough. Tony, Tony D uh, from the Tony D podcast joins us as well. Tony, I love Chase Elliott, and I think he's probably well on his way to become the most popular driver in 2020. What are your thoughts on recapping uh, Chase Elliott's big uh, national, I mean, NASCAR championship for 2020? Yeah, and, and I think Steve would agree with this. I mean, first and foremost, just to have a champion in NASCAR. You know, Steve and I have talked about this last couple of weeks. NASCAR was the first to kind of step up to the plate. And even, even IndyCar champion Scott Dixon thanked NASCAR. Um, you know, they were the first, I guess, racing series, but I think you know, series in general to step up and say, okay, we've got COVID-19. How do we deal with this? How do we condense the schedule? How do we think outside of the box to get this full season in? And I think that they were caught up by September, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe it was a little bit later than that, but but doubleheader races, you know, Wednesday night races were cool. We saw, um, you know, just, just different stuff that we hadn't seen that I think maybe NASCAR will hopefully use moving forward. Um and, you know, then Chase Elliott, you know, what can, what can you say? Consistent all year, won some races, but, but when he needed to perform, he gets it done in Martinsville. And then uh, no surprise, the top four finishers last week, uh, maybe a little added uh, horsepower here and there, maybe a little little something something for those top four to be up towards the front because uh, it seemed like Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, and Chase Elliott were up front, those top four all day. And guys like Kevin Harvick, 
people have been incredible on on mile and a half tracks and mile tracks like Phoenix uh, couldn't do anything better than seventh or eighth. So uh, great for Chase Elliott. Um, I was super excited about that. Very popular one. I think NASCAR has sold the most merchandise uh, over a NASCAR champion in a very long time. It was cool to see Bill Elliott, a guy who uh, nobody nobody disliked in his day um, and in his career, uh, celebrate with his son. Uh, we saw some cool pictures of you know Chase celebrating the Brickyard 400 win here back in 2002 with his dad. Uh, we saw him sitting on you know Dale Earnhardt's lap, and I mean just Chase was born into this. And this is what he was meant to do. And it was super awesome to see him go through um, Dawsonville, Georgia, and, you know, the sirens going off and doing burnouts throughout the streets of his hometown. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Be more excited for Chase. And now we, uh, now we turn our attention because we're only, what, two and a half months away from uh, getting ready to go to Speed Weeks and the Daytona 500 in February. I know, the shortest offseason around. But what a great it w- was uh, in the I think it's called the pool bar or something where they had to block off the streets there in Georgia. That was fantastic. Hey guys, real quickly, uh, what Steve, why I got you here as well. We got some news over the weekend. Josh Redoom, uh, owner, a truck series owner, uh, got suspended indefinitely for taking a Snapchat at Oster Strudel. That doesn't seem quite right, but wait, there's more to the story. The icing on the Strudel was drawn in the shape of a swastika. He didn't realize it when he took the Snapchat. He was just taking a picture of a of a strudel, which is what he thought he was taking a picture of. They, according to him, it was no, there was no intention of doing it. And I think being a a someone of, of that stature and knowing the the uh, social media policies of NASCAR, you'd be smart enough to know, hey, I'm really not going to post this. This just seems like a little bit overkill. We'll start with you, Steve. What are your thoughts on on Josh Ramoom being suspended indefinitely by NASCAR for a picture of a toaster strudel that appeared to have a swastika sign with the icing? Well, in fairness, I haven't actually seen the picture. I've just read what others have said about it. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to comment specifically on the picture itself that or the social media post because I honestly, I haven't actually seen it, but, you know, um, you know, NASCAR has these policies that, you know, govern, you know, how members are supposed to conduct themselves, not only at the racetrack, but off the racetrack. Uh, and social media is one of those things that NASCAR, uh, does, you know, go through and, you know, does watch what drivers and crews and, uh, you know, people that are within the sport, uh, you know, post and, you know, I, I I don't I don't know what his intentions were. I mean, if if he says that it was an accident and he didn't mean to do it, then you know maybe you know maybe I have to you know sit back for a moment and say okay, well maybe he didn't really mean to do it. But you know, again, you know, yeah, on the other side of the coin, that you know most people know what a swastika is, and you know if you know. If there was intention there, then I think, you know, I think he should own it and say, look, you know, yeah, uh, I knew what it was, but, you know, I posted it anyways. And, you know, uh, you know, we, we're just going to have to, you know, figure a way to, you know, get back on the race track and do what NASCAR asks us to do with sensitivity training, things like that. Um, but, you know, you know, one of, one of the things that, you know, I kind of look back on is, um, and again, like I said, I haven't seen the, seen the post, seen the picture, so I I don't really know what it comprises of. But you know, I just kind of look back just a couple of years ago, and 
you know, a kid, uh, you know, took a bite out of a Pop-Tart or whatever it was, and it looked like a gun, and he was suspended from the schools, and, you know, made his rounds around social media, and, you know, got on the news, and, you know, you've got there, there is a lot, of, a lot of hypersensitivity about so many different subjects these days, and um, you know what one person doesn't necessarily see, somebody else is looking to be offended by, and they see something totally different. So you know, uh, we see this all the time on social media that you know, well-intentioned people post, um, you know, things that that are negligible or just doesn't really mean anything or uh just you know you know basic in general but there's always somebody out there looking to be offended by something there's always some hypersensitivity out there about everything and anything and um but again you know if he did post and he knew what he posted then he needs to suffer the consequences and go through the sensitivity training that nascar needs uh, or mandates that he go through Tony, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I tried to find the picture, and I think it's been deleted for probably reasons, so I could not find the picture. I have found several things about the story. On the surface, it seems like this is innocent enough, and I guess like Steve said, everybody knows what a swastika looks like, and maybe if you're just taking a picture of a toaster strudel, you would have noticed that, but I have to admit, like I'll go out to lunch or something, and I'll take a picture of my food and not really paying attention to what it looks like. Could this have been an innocent mistake and and overreach by NASCAR? Or or do you think that that the right thing was done in this particular scenario, Tony? Yeah, with Steve, like I didn't, I didn't see it. So I don't really know. I just chalk it up to uh, 2020 and people being sensitive. And that's just kind of the way that things uh, are going this year. Um, Apologize immediately for it. He owned it. It is what it is. And uh, I think the best thing to do is just move on from it. I, I totally agree, and hopefully NASCAR can find a way. He, he, at this point, he's suspended indefinitely, so we'll see. Steve Wilson, we appreciate you joining us this NASCAR season. We're going to let you have a, a couple months off uh, before we get back at it for uh, the uh, uh, Daytona 500. And, Steve, I appreciate you joining us today. Where can people find your work and masterpieces? I know you'll continue to be talking about NASCAR on Speedway Digest, but where can people find your work at, sir? They can follow at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, SpeedwayDigest.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate having me on Thanks, this Steve. year, and uh, we'll see you in February. Absolutely, buddy. Have a good one. Uh, Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, we're, we're officially putting him into the off season. <laughs> of course, he's always welcome to call at any time, but with the NASCAR out of season, he, he takes a, 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 some time off. Uh, Tony, let's let's get right into the Masters, though. I mean, this Rom, this Spaniard Rom guy. Last year, you think about we were talking about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. We were talking about this earlier in the first segment. Tiger Woods knows Augusta, and he's certainly not that far behind to be in competition. And and I maybe you saw the the practice round where he skipped that ball, uh, the ball over the water, and and did a hole in one. But I but I really think that. I know it's easy to pick him because he's John. It's easy to pick John Rahm because he's leading in the leaderboard. But there's just something about him. It just seems like he's really dialed in. What are, What are your thoughts on on John Rahm and the Masters, or, or or the leaderboard in general? Go ahead and and what are your thoughts on the Masters in November, not April? Yeah, with Rahm, I mean he he's a guy that 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 can get off the tee uh, nicely. We saw some nice. Uh, 
you know, first first opening drives. And then, you know, really, he, he, he wasn't all that impressive. I mean, yeah, he was minus three on day one, and you were just thinking, okay, when's he going to pounce? And then yesterday, you know, goes to minus six, um, had some really nice shots. I think the holes the last two days have really played in favor of the heavy hitters because you could make it um, a little bit shorter. And, and, and he's a guy, Rom is a guy that's 300 and – 25, 30 yards, and the next guy next to you is teeing off 310, you know, you're shortening the course. So uh, an impressive minus six for Rom yesterday. Obviously, the odds on favorite. He had a really lucky bounce late in the day yesterday. Um, you know, Abigail Answer is a guy that – or Abraham Answer is a guy that I talked about on my podcast this week. He was a 90-to-1 odds. Um, do I think he's going to win the tournament? No. But for him to be sitting there tied atop the leaderboard with five other, with five other players is, is, is pretty miraculous. Um, if you think about it, um, Dustin Johnson looked almost unbeatable about mid morning yesterday. He was playing well um, um, on Thursday. And then yesterday he was kind of hit or miss back and forth. Ends up minus two on the day, uh, but he was so dang good on Thursday that it keeps him up front. Um, I think Dustin Johnson, uh, Justin Thomas is a guy that is right there. He's been playing well. Uh, it just, who could, who could be consistent? Who could stay, who could stay under par? Um, you know, we, we saw CT Pan play really well yesterday, um, and it really shoot at the leaderboard after just being right around you know midfield on the first day. So um, I think you could look at probably you know these top eleven guys. You can eliminate a few of them. Um, I think you're going to be looking at uh, Thomas, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Matsuyama, uh, Danny Willett can play well here. Tommy Fleetwood, and that's about it. I, I think you have to be, you have to be at probably minus five right now to even have an outside chance, which would almost, which doesn't quite eliminate Tiger. Uh, but a minus one yesterday didn't really help Tiger. We saw we saw Casey fall. Uh, you know the, the the best we've seen so far is a minus seven on a day that came yesterday from Corey Connors. Um, which got him to minus five after shooting plus two. So I don't expect anybody to shoot better than a minus six on a day today or tomorrow, which means, you know, man, I, I, I just think you got to be in that top 11 right now to have a chance to win at two strokes back. And, and, and I think you can eliminate about three or four guys in that category as well. So um, I do think it's going to come down to Rob Johnson or Thomas, but don't be surprised if a Matsuyama, a Willett or a Fleetwood, or maybe even um, a young guy in Sebastian Munoz who, who played really well yesterday um, make a move and uh, are, are around when they make that final turn tomorrow afternoon. You know, and I totally agree with everything that you just said, but, you know, we still got to include Tiger, you would think, we got to include Tiger Woods in the conversation for uh, Masters on the Sunday uh, final, uh, final round because uh, everybody's going to be wearing the red shirts. Come on, man. But really – Tiger Woods, do we, do we have a legitimate conversation here that he will be in the thick of things tomorrow? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't. It's, first of all, it's so hard to win the Masters back-to-back years. I mean, it's it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Two, he was so far ahead of where he is right now last year in April when he played. Um, we kind of saw him get off to a nice burst and shoot minus six on day one. Uh, and then that faded yesterday to minus one. Um, I don't expect him to shoot anything better than minus two today. That puts him at minus seven. That's going to that's gonna probably move him actually down lower in the leaderboard. So um, I just Tiger has a chance to do it. It, 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 would be, it would be miraculous 
and I would be uh I'd be about one hundred percent stunned. Um stunned, I tell you, if uh if Tiger Woods ended up winning this thing. Absolutely. And you know, here we are in Masters, you know, names that we hear a lot in the Masters are, are, are names like Jordan Spieth and Phil Mickelson. We're not even hearing about those. They've combined eight major championships, but neither one of them, again, have no chance of winning. What do we attribute to the big, big names we know in golf that we typically associate with the Masters really not being a part of the conversation this year? Do you think it's just the environment that we're in? Do you think it's there's something different? What do you think that it could be? I mean, it's just so tough. I mean, golf has got to be probably – when you, you think about individual sports, golf and, and auto racing, but even – I mean, yes, you have a team around you in both of those, but individual go out on the playing field. Golf is just so tough. Spieth has not played well all year. He struggled all throughout the year. Um, Phil, I mean, you know, some of these guys are getting up there in age, if you think about it. I mean, you look at a guy like Rory McIlroy, who is minus three, He's played pretty well, yet everybody else has just been so dang good. Um, you know, and, and Phil's not playing bad. Phil's minus five. Um, you know, he's tied for 17. That's not really all that bad. Um, you know, he is a, an older guy. You know, he's, he's not young anymore. He's not He's not a spring chicken. He's done what he's needed to do. But um, I, I've been impressed with Phil being tied for 17th at minus five. I think it's probably where he's going to peak. But, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many good guys like Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas who week in and week out are, are by far, hands down, from their feet to their to their top of their heads, the best golfers in the world. And they show that when you need to show that. And that is 100% when you need to show it is right now during the Masters. Tony, who's your official pick for the Masters 2020? You know, I, I was on Xander Shoffley going in, but, but I kind of – you know, I kind of knew going in that Xander is a guy that likes to play up and down and will have, will have you know, a front nine that's incredible and a back nine that struggles. It's a roller coaster ride with him. Um, so I knew that Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas would be there. Um, I mentioned on my podcast that Answer was going to be there as well. He's a young up-and-cover making his first start. Uh, but, but what I've seen so far and what I've seen, uh, I think some of the mistakes and, 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 and a few of the lucky shots that John Rahm has had is going to catch up to him. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be either Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas tomorrow. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast joins us. Tony, just a couple games. A lot of games postponed. College football has kind of lost their their marbles, uh, for, uh, maybe for good cause. Uh, Ohio State obviously not playing. That said, uh, I'm a big IU guy, but that's not why I'm saying this. And, and I'm saying this that they're playing really good football. I think Tom Allen has it's got – uh, the the uh, organization in a great position to do well in the playoffs. With Ohio State missing against Maryland this week, Indiana beats Michigan State. Do we see a path here for IU to win the Big Ten East? Um, it is possible, I would say. Uh, but 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 I'm just and I, and I hate to say this, but you know, you if you beat Michigan State, you can beat Maryland. You still got to go to Wisconsin. You still got to go play at Wisconsin, a team that's hungry and a team in Wisconsin that has missed some games, and they're going to have to blow out some teams for the committee, for the Big Ten to say, okay, this is a team that, you know, deserves it. So uh, we'll see what IU can do today. Uh, I look at this Indiana game as it's going to be close today because this, this just looks like a trap game to me. This just looks like a game where Indiana ends up struggling they can't stop Michigan State defensively, and they end up getting into a track meet. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this IU game today. 
this is a, a typical letdown trap game spot for IU. So if they can if they can get past that, we're going to know, okay, this is not the IU teams of the past. This is an IU team that is 100% for real. Totally agree. And, and certainly IU struggles with Michigan State and has a history of, of struggling uh, with Michigan State. You mentioned Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got Michigan t- today. They're on the road to Michigan. That's going to be another close game. If Michigan beats Wisconsin today, don't you think that the committee will just completely check them off their box as a team not to look at for 2020? Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, if they lose today, that's going to, you know, you know, you're going to have some people that are going to make the excuse or, or say, well, you know, they've been off and they've had COVID and it's hard to hold, you know, that against people for getting COVID and yada, yada, yada. But um, at the end of the day, if Wisconsin loses, they, they have no margin for error. That's why I think Wisconsin is in the mindset of what we saw with Cincinnati last night. Cincinnati's the number seven team of the country last night. They're up 42 to 10 with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They bring their backups out, and on fourth and eighth, they pull off a fake punt. And it's basically setting the committee to say, look, you guys are not going to give us any credit for what we've done. You're not going to give us any credit for the uh, teams that we play. So we need to go out and absolutely blow these teams out and, and win by 40 to 50 points each time. So, uh, you know, I, I expect Wisconsin to go out and do everything that they can of their power to, to, to have some blowout wins. Last uh, college game that I think it has a lot of uh, impact, Notre Dame on the road to Boston College. Boston College favored by 13 and a half, I believe. I think this is going to be a very close game, but I think this is really a game to look at that Notre Dame could see their first loss on the road against Boston College today. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's laying 13 and a half points. It's always going to be tough. Notre Dame has a, has a hard time covering spreads on the road, especially when they're double digits. So I do think it's going to be close, but I, but I think the Irish have enough down the stretch uh, and enough to play for. Boston College is a great quarterback. They're going to keep it close, but uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring 24-13 type game today. All right, Tony, we appreciate you joining us a little bit earlier. Do you want to stick around and talk NFL, or do you got to bounce? I'm going to bounce on out of here, man. You have a great rest of your weekend. All right, buddy. Thank you. Tony Donahue of the Tony Podcast joins us and uh, talking some uh, Masters and some college football. Thank you, Tony, for jumping on. I know I screwed up the time. I own that. That's me. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network with Ed Gratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com joining us to talk NFL right here on the Balance Radio Network. This is a good one, kind of groove. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, 
new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros. And we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are, real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The MOVE Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache, challenge yourself to move and support those who do. Together we can change the face of men's health. What you talking December the 5th, we'll all be together here in Indianapolis, in the Balance Studios, high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, to do the show live for two hours. And, and joining us now is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. Ed, you're more than welcome to hop a plane and, and, and get here on, on December the 5th. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, very enticing. What do you, what's the plan? I missed the, uh, the plan. You're all going to get together and do a live show. Yeah. Huh? Uh, yeah, we're going to the, – they're bringing their significant others and Melissa, and, and we are all going to go out to dinner, have some drinks, do some karaoke or something, uh, 
and do all kinds of debauchery, and then we're going to get up and do the show on Saturday. <laughs> so uh, that sounds fun. That, that's, that's the plan. So, yeah, uh, we've been playing it for a little while. We thought, well, let's, let's go ahead and get it done before we get deep into the winter months and, and so forth. And so and last night we just said, okay, December 5th is going to do it. We had a – we should have invited you. Uh, and it was just kind of a last-minute thing, but we had – me and Rick and Scott and the significant others had a, a virtual Zoom um, party or get-together, if you will. <laughs> Even though we were all in our own homes, we were doing shots, we were drinking beer, we were laughing. Oh, man, it went wow. on to the early morning hours, and we are all we were all feeling it this morning, let me tell you. It was... Oh, it, wow, it was that was right last night, huh? Oh, do they have one of those virtual uh, parties? I never had one, but it seems to be the end thing that people are doing this now. And it was, it was just like hanging out, you know, play, we were all playing games and whatever, drinking games and stuff. But we were doing it virtually on, on a Zoom uh, thing. So it was kind of, kind of fun. But we tried to get some of the pictures yeah. up earlier, but I, I think we screwed up something in the, in the, uh, in the world of technology last night. We may not be able to get them up posted. So, because, some of it's got to be edited out before we put it. <laughs> before we put yeah. it. Up. <laughs> yeah. Probably so, a good thing. Probably a good thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely. But uh, you know, welcome back. It looked like you had a nice vacation on on your on your bye day, on your bye week. I appreciate you joining us last week. And so let's get right into it. How about them Colts? Big win on the road against the Tennessee Titans. And let's face it, the Colts have the Tennessee Titans uh, mortgage note. They own them. Uh, they have figured out a way to consistently on a, on a regular basis, home or away, beat the Titans. And this certainly felt like one of those years where that was not going to happen. What are your thoughts about Thursday, Thursday's great game? And what about putting in Jacoby Brissett for that trick play? Well, not really a trick play, but that quarterback sneak on the uh, third down, one, one first to goal uh, for the score. That I felt like that really – Elevated them to the to the other side. What are your thoughts about Thursday night, uh, the Colts and the Titans? Yeah, that trick play. That's nice. It's nice when you can use you know all forty eight guys on the roster to dress. I think it's forty eight now with the two two extra players. It's nice to be able to keep everybody happy. You know, to give Jacoby Brissett a nice boost. It looks you know it's good for the locker room. It's good for team morale. Good for Jacoby. Um, and it was a good play. I mean, you know. Uh, the Titans couldn't stop it. And uh, that's, that's just Frank Reich, man. I'll tell you that, that guy still gets a lot of love in Philadelphia. Um, loved what he did, you know, Thursday night. I thought early though, those two fourth down runs that he called the fourth and one that barely got it. And then he called them the same play on fourth and one later in the drive and it got stopped. And I thought, you know, it was seven nothing Titans at the time. And I thought that might, uh, you know, that might give the Titans some momentum, but that Colts defense played really well. Um, you know, they make you earn everything. They're, they're a tough squad on, on defense and, you know, defense can carry a, a good way. If, uh, especially in that division where if you can shut down Derrick Henry, which they did, you know, you get the lead and you put him on the sidelines. I mean, that's, that's great to do. Now we'll see if they can do it again in what, two weeks. I think they play again, which is crazy that they yeah. play, you know, yeah. almost it, back it, to it, back, you know, that's, and here's the thing: these are two teams that just know each other uh, like the back of their hands because they they're, they're 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 AFC South rivals and they play each other all the time. But it just seems like the Colts always find a way. So hopefully they can do it again. And you know, currently we're tied first in the AFC South, 
And I, I know a lot of people still have their doubts about Philip Rivers, but he may have his, his moments of glory and his moments of despair. But we are, I think we're just doing, doing great. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping, the, keeping the charge going. Well, the Eagles got the Giants this week. Uh, talk with us about that. Uh, talk with us to the breakdown on how the Eagles are preparing for a mediocre Giants. But uh, I mean, the Eagles are on a on a good track of momentum themselves. Uh, yeah, you know, you talk about familiarity with the with Titans and Colts. I mean, you know, it's the same with you know the NFC East, the Eagles and Giants. They just played each other uh, three weeks ago on Thursday night, and here they are. They're doing it again up in you know North Jersey tomorrow. Um, and the Eagles were lucky to win that last game. You know, they were down by 11 points uh, with six minutes to go. And then Carson Wentz took them on two touchdown drives to uh, to win a one-point game, 22-21, including a great throw, an 18-yard throw to Boston Scott uh, down the sideline for a touchdown with, you know, less than a minute to go. So um, now they get to do it again. And the, and the Eagles are on a two-game winning streak. They're still at 3-4-1, and one, though, but they're in first place. And the Giants are playing better. You know, they're, they've, uh, you know they only lost to the Bucks by two points, um, missed a two-point conversion with, like, 28 seconds to go uh, in that loss. And, and they lost that game. They lost to the Eagles by one. And then they beat uh, Washington uh, by a field goal. Uh, this past week so they're playing well I mean this is really you know kind of their Super Bowl I would think because if they lose this they're two and eight and they're clearly out of it and the Eagles will really tighten their grip on the NFC East and the Eagles are getting healthy Um, this will be the healthiest they've been all year there's only one player that's ruled out so you're going to see the season debut probably of Alshon Jeffrey Uh, Miles Sanders will be back after missing two games they're running back from Penn State uh, who had a terrific rookie year last year um, they might get their uh, one of their offensive linemen back, guard Isaac Siamalu, who's been out since week two. Uh, Dallas Ray or uh, Dallas Goddard is, you know, this will be his second game back after a broken ankle. Jalen Rager, it'll be his second game back, a rookie after missing five games after thumb surgery. So, I mean, this is a healthy team. But there's one thing about, you know, now you're healthy. Now you have to go out and prove that you're the best team in the NFC East. I mean, this is the team the Eagles expected to have at the start of the year. And now they pretty much have it. You know, there are a couple pieces still missing. Brandon Brooks, the, the one guard, the, the Pro Bowl guard, is out. He's out for the year. But uh, for the most part, this is the team they wanted at the start of the year. Now they have it, and we'll see if they can do anything with it. How how heavily is uh, the Eagles leaning on Dallas Godard, Go, Go, the, the tight end there, uh, in the absence of – I mean, Zach Ertz isn't even playing right now, or at least he's not very healthy – so how how big of the of the load is Dallas Gohart the tight end there with the Eagles uh, doing? Yeah, well, Ertz is on IR. He's got one more game before he comes back, and he really didn't uh, do well the first half. You know, he's wants a new contract. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, the, the the lack of a contract extension affecting his play. But you know, he's another guy that you know if they get him back, he's eligible to return in the next week's game in Cleveland. Uh, if they get him back, and that just makes them healthier. But Dallas Goddard is huge. I mean, he only had one target and one catch against the, the Cowboys before the bye, uh, and it was a big catch on a third and seven. He gained 15 yards and put him in the red zone. But he did a great job in the in the blocking area. He's a very good blocker for a tight end, and that's something you don't see a lot of in tight ends coming out of college. They're mostly glorified wide receivers, so they need to learn to block. And Goddard, this is his third season now, and 
Um, you know, he's really he's a better blocker, in my opinion, than Zach Ertz in the run game. So he played, you know, like 85% of the snaps against the Cowboys, and they didn't really need him to catch the ball. Uh, but he was great in the run game, and he was able to block and open up some holes uh, to, to get the run game kind of started. So he's very important to that offense, no doubt. I mean, when they were missing him and Ertz, they were relying on Richard Rodgers, the former Green Bay guy, and this is an Eagles team that likes to use a lot of two tight end sets. Um, but they were able to get away from that with some of the development of their wide receivers, like Travis Fulgham, who's been amazing in five games. He's caught four touchdown passes. He's on track thousand yard season, even after just five games. I mean, he's been a, a revelation. So some of these receivers have really kind of to step up too. So Greg Ward's been great on third down. Um, so, yeah, God is very important, but it's not like they're going to have to rely on him to do everything. They have other pieces in place and play, pieces that have kind of stepped up with some of those injuries that happened, you know, in the first half of the year. You know, a lot of times we, we, we hear national shows talk about the offensive line or the, the defensive line. A lot of times, or at least maybe I'm just deaf to it, I don't often hear uh, actual linemen being called out as being a, one of the top in the NFL currently. And that was brought up in more than one conversation on, many, on, on a couple of national shows this week, and that's Jason Peters, the, the, the last left tackle with the Eagles. Is he that good? I mean, he's getting a lot of attention and a lot of buzz. Is there something behind that that – that that you have a closer eye on the Eagles than a lot of us do, but it, it seems like he's getting a lot of buzz and a lot of people are talking about Jason Peters. Well, I don't know how positive the talk has been. I mean, he's you know he's 38 years old. He's had a terrific career. You could say that he you know he could be in the Hall of Fame. There'll be a good case made that you know when his career is over, he he should be in the Hall of Fame. But you know he missed a couple games with an injury. He's not always the healthiest. Uh, player. So when he missed some games with an injury, the Eagles saw the ascension of um, Jordan Malata, who was a former Australian rugby star who they took in the seventh round in 2018. I mean, he's a mountain. He's about 6'8", 360. Uh, and he stepped in and made his first few starts for Peters at left tackle. And he was very, very good. Um, and so that's maybe where the discussion is being generated is why is Peters now at 38, you know, with his you know, out of his prime for sure. Why is he being put back at left tackle when Jordan Mulata, who's 23 years old uh, and, and really learning how to play football for the first time in his life. He never played before. Uh, he's a great story. Um, why isn't he, why, why aren't they building him for the future and getting him these snaps? Uh, so that's really maybe why Peters is generating a lot of conversation. I mean, it's just, I'm not sure how good he is anymore. I mean, he's average. He's adequate, I think. Um, but I think Mulata, you know, has better upside uh, and could be better if he were to get reps, you know, f- uh, for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, Lane Johnson at right tackle isn't completely healthy either. Um, you know, he's been limited this week. He had his ankle drained for a second time. He's had this ankle issue all year. So Mulata was, is, you know, he's kind of the swing tackle. You know, he backs up Johnson and he backs up Peters. So I think that's kind of what, why they're sticking with Peters uh, is to keep Mulata Lane Johnson can't finish the game or wakes up Sunday morning uh, and has swelling and can't play. And then you put Mulata at the right tackle spot. So, um, you know, Peters is what he is. He wasn't even going to be on this team to start the year. And then the Eagles lost their left tackle, Andre Dillard, to an injury for in summer for the rest of the season. So they brought Peters back. They were going to play him at guard initially. Um, but then that, you know, Someone else got hurt at tackle, so he filled in for – he had to step in over there. Actually, it was Dillard that got hurt. 
uh, when it was Brooks, when Brandon Brooks got hurt, they brought Peters in to play guard, and then Dillard got hurt, so they moved him back to his left tackle spot. Uh, it's just been crazy on that offensive line, really. Um, but Peters is still part of it. I suspect that this will be the last, you know, run of his career here, these final eight games, maybe a playoff game. Um, and then we'll see if he goes into the Hall of Fame. But he's definitely a Hall of Fame candidate for sure. I would vote for him for the Hall of Fame if, it, if you know, when that time comes. We're talking with Ed Kratz, V. Ryder from Philadelphia Eagles, com, our official NAS- I mean, NASCAR NFL contributor. I'm, I'm telling you what, dude, I'm on the struggle bus. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that moonshine will come up and, and bite you when you're in the sleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you're more yeah. welcome to talk NASCAR if you want to. Uh, but uh, a couple more questions with the Eagles, and we'll move on to some of these other, other games. What are the odds that you would give the Eagles drafting a linebacker in the first two rounds of the next draft? Uh, gosh, slim to none. I mean, they, they just don't value that position. And I think they kind of like what they see in TJ Edwards, the undrafted kid from Wisconsin, um, stepped in and made 13 tackles against the Cowboys, had a huge play with a strip sack fumble that was scooped up for a 53-yard touchdown return by Rodney McLeod that sealed the game against the Cowboys. Um, but they like Edwards, um, and, and we'll see how he develops. He's going to get a chance here to play a few games because their starter, Nate Gary, is on IR, uh, and his contract is up, Gary's is, at the end of the year. So I think they like Edwards. They drafted two of them late, third-rounder and Davion Taylor this past spring, and then they went for Temple's uh, Sean Bradley in the sixth round, and both those guys are fast and raw, and you, you know they may try to develop them. So – I think they kind of like what they have at linebacker at, the, at this moment. I would doubt very highly that they would spend that kind of draft capital, um, you know, next spring when the draft rolls around again. So I think maybe they'll take one again, but it won't be in the first two rounds. Not, not, I would bet my house on it. So one of the most important roles on the on an NFL team in a, any NFL team is the safety position. Given the current cap situation next year, how likely is it that Jalen Mills comes back to the Eagles or does he find another home? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, that's the position I could see the Eagles drafting in the first two rounds as a safety because, you know, Rodney McLeod's on a one-year deal. Uh, Jalen Mills is on a one-year deal. Both those guys, their contracts are up at the end of the year. So what does that leave you? They drafted a safety from Clemson in the fourth round, Kayvon Wallace, um, but they're going to need a safety. Uh, and Jalen Mills' transition from cornerback to safety is going, going pretty well. I mean, he, you know, there's still communication issues that he's dealing with, um, but he's a willing tackler. You can kind of line him up, uh, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. You can almost play him kind of at a pseudo linebacker spot. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I know he likes it in Philadelphia. If you know Jalen Mills, his hair is dyed green for the Eagles color. I mean, if you've ever seen him interviewed, he's got the green dye in his hair. So, you know, he likes being an Eagle. He was a seventh-round pick in 2016 out of LSU. And the Eagles, Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, loves him. Uh, so I could see the Eagles maybe trying to re-sign him to another maybe a two-year deal next time if, if these last eight games go well. And if they don't meet the money he wants, then, yeah, sure, I could see him walking and being a pretty sought-after free agent next year. All right, let's take a walk around the NFL, if you will. We saw Ben Roethlisberger being cleared off of the, uh, off of the COVID list. Uh, this week uh, so that's got to help the the, the Steelers I, again and I think that we're having very premature conversations perhaps but I think the Steelers are certainly on the right track to uh, to be in the conversation of a Super Bowl team wouldn't you say 
Yeah, eight and oh, sure. And they got a good defense. Uh, and I like the way, you know, Chase Claypool, the kid from Notre Dame, looks. I mean, you know, if it wasn't for Joe Burrow, I think Claypool would probably be in the conversation more for the rookie of the year in the AFC. But, uh, you know, I think Joe Burrow might have that one kind of locked up unless I'm missing somebody that might be obvious. But, um, yeah, Steelers for sure. I mean, it's really, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has been in the league a long time, uh, <laughs> obviously. And uh, yeah. he looks pretty good. You know, but it's that defense with T.J. Watt and uh, some of those other guys that really make that team go. And uh, you got to put them in the conversation. I'd love to see them play the Chiefs at some point in the playoffs uh, and see if they can stop that Chiefs offense because not many teams can. Um, You know, although you saw the Chiefs kind of have to pull it out against the Panthers last week, and you had to see the Steelers pull it out against the Cowboys uh, last week as well. So, I think the only thing you can beat Pittsburgh right now is some complacency, especially out of the uh, division. But this is a division game against the Bengals. It's uh, it's at Three Rivers and or not Three Rivers, Heinz uh, Field. And uh, that, you know, I don't I don't see the the Steelers hitting a speed bump here. I I know the Bengals are playing pretty well, but I, I just think you know the only thing that could hurt the Steelers is complacency at this point. And I don't see them being complacent within their own division, especially with the Ravens kind of nipping at their heels. Uh, a little bit, and they still have a game left with Baltimore. I think that's next week. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the Steelers look at this and say, yeah, we, we got this thing wrapped up. They can't hit cruise control yet. They have to keep playing, and then I think they will, and they'll uh, they'll beat the Bengals. Texans and the Browns. Uh, yeah, I, that's uh, – I don't know. The Browns should win that, right? I mean, the Texans kind of limping along here. Uh kind of in the hunt for, you know, top five draft pick, I guess. Uh, and, and the, and the Browns are um, playing the Eagles next week. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. I mean, the Browns haven't looked, the Browns haven't looked great either lately. Right. I mean, Baker Mayfield hasn't looked very sharp. I don't think. And um, you know, maybe the Texans get on a little bit of a roll. I mean, I think the Texans have talent, but for some reason they just can't uh, put it all together. And now JJ Watt, saying that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild and he wants out and uh, that'll make for an interesting offseason conversation. But, uh, you know, right now I think the Browns, you know, they need to keep pace in that division. They're in the hunt for a playoff spot as well. Um, if, you know, who knows how many playoff teams we're going to have. The NFL just uh, talked about redoing their schedule if COVID affects too many teams and they can't finish up in 17 weeks. And, if they have to add that 18th week, then they're going to take eight teams into the playoffs uh, rather than seven. Uh, but the Browns are in the mix either way, whether it's seven or eight teams. The Browns just have to, you know, keep winning. And, you know, they can't stumble against a Texans team that uh, has only won twice and is still trying to find itself. A lot of good games on tap tomorrow, but I think one of the good ones, obviously, there's a reason it's in prime time, and that's the Ravens at the Patriots. Uh, we met the Ravens last week, and I felt like uh, the Colts held with the Ravens just a little bit too much at the end. But the Ravens clearly are a good team. Patriots aren't as good as we, we've seen them in the past. Uh, so what are your thoughts, the Ravens at the Patriots? Yeah, boy, the Patriots almost lost to the Jets. <laughs> You know, Jets fans are holding their breath because they want to get uh, Trevor Lawrence, I guess. I mean, I I guess you would go away from Sam Darnold uh, with a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence if Lawrence even comes out. I mean, he may not come out, but I think he will. Um, But, yeah, yeah, the Patriots, you know, they're just not the same uh, talent-wise. You know, it's more than just Brady 
who left. You know, they had a lot of players opt out for the COVID at the start of the season. Um, and they just don't really have that talent level that we're used to seeing. And, you know, Belichick's a good coach, but he can only do so much with the talent on hand. And right now there's just not enough of it. And like I said earlier, talking about the Steelers, the Ravens need to keep winning to keep pace with Pittsburgh to even make that game next week, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh meaningful for, for, for Baltimore. They need to win this game. Um, you know, and I think they will. I mean, I just don't think the Patriots are very good. Cam Newton, to me, is too inconsistent. Just hasn't looked himself since he got the COVID a couple of weeks ago. Um, and again, it's not just the quarterback play. There are other issues on that team that uh, I'm not sure they can kind of get fixed over these final eight games and make a, a push for the playoffs. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor, not NASCAR contributor, NFL contributor, uh, joins us. Uh, real quickly, we got Masters in the fall and not in the spring. What are your thoughts about this year's Masters? Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Like, I wish I could watch the final round on Sunday, but I'll be, you know, up in New York with, you know, with the Eagles and the Giants game. So I'm kind of bummed about that. I would like to, to watch it. You know, you, you can DVR the, the golf, but I would never sit there and watch it. I'm going to be – I'll be following along on my phone or – you know, yeah. maybe we'll have it on in the press box. I don't know. But it's just weird that it's in the fall and it's up against the NFL. And today uh, it's up against college games. And it's weird that the college game day is down in Augusta. Uh, you know, I think yeah. there's some bigger college games they could have been at rather than the golf. I'm not really sure why that decision was made. I don't necessarily agree with it. But, yeah, Just it being the time of year that it's being played, I mean, I think that's – you know, they're trying to draw a lot of attention to it. So it is it is what it is. I I, I mean, I, it's an easy pick to pick John Rahm. But, I mean, you can't not have the conversation about Tiger Woods. I don't think he's in the conversation for a win this year. And, and just certainly some of the big names, you know, your you're Jordan Spieth and stuff, you're not, you're not hearing about this. A lot of uh, oddities, if you will. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And guess what? I'll be able to watch it because uh, the Colts – aren't playing because they've already played and won this week. So doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good when your when your game is over on a Thursday and you have Sunday off to kind yeah. of relax and you don't have to get all this angst over watching your team play and waiting for kickoff and uh it, it it's it's so freeing, isn't it? It is absolutely freeing. Ed Grant, we appreciate you you joining us and the next time uh, all of us get together for a virtual uh Drinking party will invite you. Yeah, you know, I'm a little disappointed I didn't get a get a text on that, but you know, it was kind of a last uh, minute. It, it started with yeah, me and Rick, yeah, yeah. and it just kind of grew, you know. So anyway, yeah, I tell you what, all three of us were on the struggle bus this morning. That much I can tell you. The debauchery went on to early mornings of. of, of <laughs> Of the day. Yeah. The early yeah, of Saturday. So. All right. Yeah. Uh, and where can people find your work? Best of pieces, sir. At Kratzy on Twitter. A- at K-R-A-C-Z-E. You can find me there and check out my links there. All right, Ed. We'll talk with you soon. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Tom. You get well now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. See ya. 
Ted Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, joined us as uh, breaking down the NFL this week. Uh, also, uh, we had Scott Lamb and Rick Riggin joining us for uh, college football talk and a little bit of talk about the Masters. Our big announcement on December the 5th. We'll all be here in Indianapolis. We'll have a good time on Friday night. We'll go out to dinner, have drinks, and try our best to muster together on Saturday morning to to do the show. It was a struggle this morning. And then also, uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast and uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joined us to break down the recap of the the NASCAR champion with uh, Chase Elliott. And then uh, certainly Tony talked a little bit about football with us as well. And then Ed Kratz, make sure you download the podcast on all of your – all of your – wherever you find your podcasts at (laughs) – and uh, and follow us on, on social media as well. My name is Marcos El Presidente. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll touch base next week right here on the Balance Radio Network. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.